Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. We are just days away from the start of the much-anticipated Senate trial, the impeachment trial against President Donald Trump. The action gets underway at 1 p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. There are still a ton of outstanding questions about how this is going to work, what it's going to look like. And to help me unpack all of that, I have two stellar guests. That's CNN reporter Haley Byrd and Sarah Wire of the Los Angeles Times. She's a congressional reporter there. Both of these women are usually roaming the halls of Congress. I'm happy to have them here. Sarah is also the chair of the Standing Committee of Correspondents. Sarah, Haley, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. So, Haley, let me begin with you. Um, Our colleagues up on Capitol Hill, uh, Phil Mattingly, Manu Raju, Ted Barrett, are are learning a little bit about what Tuesday may actually look like. And perhaps we should set listeners' expectations. Uh, They may not see opening arguments right out of the gate at 1 p.m. Eastern when they come when the Senate comes into session. There may be a lot of back and forth about just the rules of the road for the trial. Right. Right. So a lot of the debate leading up to this trial has been about the rules. Um, That's why House Speaker Nancy Pelosi was waiting to send the articles over. She wanted to ensure that witnesses would be heard during the trial. Um, And and Democrats want to hold votes on witnesses and testimony and documents, uh, new evidence, so that it will be included in the trial. Um, Mitch McConnell has a a resolution um, for the rules that he says that he has enough votes to pass with all Republicans. Um, But Chuck Schumer is saying he's expected at least to offer at least one amendment um, to say that witnesses must testify. Um, Basically, Senate leaders are preparing for a pretty contentious uh, session on Tuesday. Um, But it's not really clear because we haven't seen the resolution or or the text of the rules from McConnell yet. Um, And it's not clear yet how many amendments that Chuck Schumer will have. But we do know this could stretch out pretty long because... For these amendments, each side will get one hour of debate. So it will be two hours for each amendment to debate each one. So, Sarah, is it odd or not that we haven't seen this resolution yet? I mean, the trial is starting on Tuesday. Why have we not seen a resolution yet from Mitch McConnell uh, that he wants to pass in order to have the rules of the road voted upon and begin the actual trial? You know, it is interesting that he keeps saying that he wants to follow the Clinton model because in all respects, this is following the Clinton model. The The trial began in 1999 without knowing the rules of the road. And it wasn't until the first day and the second day where they finally were able to agree. And basically they punted back in 1999 and said, well, we're going to hear opening arguments and then we're going to decide on witnesses. It wasn't something they intentionally went into. Was that just witnesses or was that before any resolution was passed at all? That was the first resolution. That was the very first resolution. And the first resolution was we're going to start. Here are how long each side gets to talk and how long we get to ask our own questions. And then we'll decide whether it's worth you know, actually hearing any more evidence. And it seems the same thing they're going to do this time, but we don't have any real details yet. Well, here's one difference. I believe that first resolution in 1999 passed 100 to nothing. It did. <laughs> so I don't think that's going to be the vote it's not gonna happen this, uh, time. this time around. Unlikely, yes. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that our colleagues are reporting is that uh, Schumer doesn't know how many amendments he may offer, but there's this notion senators aren't allowed to talk in the trial. And so one of the things is that they're in session uh, and they're needing to debate something. There's a vote about going into closed session to do so. That vote needs 51 to pass. Again, Mitch McConnell thinks he has the 51 lined up constantly that he needs here for these procedural matters. But it is interesting because it does put a bit of a political uh, sort of wrench, 
uh, into this thing because Schumer then is going to have this argument of, oh, you're voting to close this to the American public, no? Right. And Schumer has said he wants to keep this as open as possible. Um, he has, you know, left open the possibility of going into closed session because there may be times where they'll have to do that. Um, but our colleagues are reporting, you know, the amendments, if they don't go into closed session, would be debated in public between the House impeachment managers and President Donald Trump's defense team, which I think would be really interesting to watch. I mean, talk about super awkward. A little bit. I mean, we're very, it's going to be really interesting to watch how this plays out. We don't really have a, an idea yet of what the White House's defense is going to look like. And especially with the new defense team that was just announced this morning, uh, you know, they're all people who are kind of made for TV. And the president is very cognizant of the fact that this is going to be televised and that's how most Americans are going to absorb it. Yeah. And we know how uh, much the president consumes information that way as well. You mentioned the new legal team and it's a perfect segue for where I wanted to go with you guys. So today we learned that in addition to White House counsel Pat Cipollone and the president's lawyer Jay Sekulow, who are still going to lead this effort for him, uh, that he is adding uh, former independent counsel Robert Ray. Uh, from the Clinton years. Uh, he was an independent counsel. Uh, he is also adding Robert Ray's predecessor, who's Ken Starr. Uh, Ken Starr, who Donald Trump, by the way, in 1999, when Ken Starr was the lead uh, investigator against Clinton in that matter, in the impeachment matter, uh, he I think he called him a lunatic. I think he gave, I mean, he gave a scathing description at the time uh, to Matt Lauer on the Today Show of what he thought of Ken Starr. Ken Starr is now on his legal team. Who else is on the team? Uh, there's also going to be Alan Dershowitz, who is also a, a very common face on Fox News. And that's what really stands out about each of these lawyers who are going to be helping represent him, is that they're they're all frequent faces on Fox News. They're all people the president is very comfortable with. And so I'm sure we're going to hear from the White House counsel and from Jay Sekulow, but these guys are also going to be playing their own role. Let me ask you, um, one of the things that we had heard that the president was interested in, but that McConnell wasn't so interested in, was maybe bringing in some House Republicans like a Jim Jordan or some other real staunch allies of the president who fought for him when the House was doing its proceedings. uh, But they're not on this list. That doesn't seem to be part of the strategy anymore. It doesn't seem to be, um, which I do think raises an interesting question, though. Uh, Some of these names that are on the defense team are pretty controversial. Dershowitz uh, had had ties to Jeffrey Epstein, which he denies any wrongdoing in the course of that. But Democratic senators and possibly moderate Republicans aren't going to be very happy with some of these names. Um, But I think the latest reporting I've seen on the House Republicans who wanted to be involved, they will still probably have a role behind the scenes. Um, Like people like Mark Meadows and Jim Jordan are constantly at the White House talking to the president. Um, I don't know if that's been decided yet what that capacity will look like, but they're still going to be playing a role in all of this. And I would imagine they would play a very public role on Fox News every night, sort of giving their take of what occurred in the they're going to be, uh, since I guess uh, Stephanie Grisham doesn't give press briefings as the White House press secretary, it seems they're going to be the spokespeople in many ways for the administration. Yes. In a lot of ways, they're also the most educated on the intricacies of the uh, House investigation. And so having them as, as spokespeople who aren't necessarily tied to the trial, uh, at least on my reporting, is part of the calculation. Do we think that um, Senator Schumer 
thinks there's some political risk in uh, delay tactics here in offering too many amendments or not getting the trial started up. Do, do you think have you heard from anyone in Schumer's office that they, they are aware that they they can't sort of like just delay, delay, delay? There's a balancing act, and I'm sure they're aware of that. Uh, the big sticking point at the moment seems to be that they still don't know what uh, what rules McConnell is going to put forward exactly. And obviously, they want to ha- hear from witnesses. Uh, they're, I expect to hear a lot early next week that waiting to make a document request is going to drag out the trial. It was the main reason the House didn't. Uh, pursue some of these document requests in court was that they were afraid it was going to drag on impeachment for weeks and months and asking the White House to produce hundreds of thousands of documents in a couple of days, it's not going to happen. It would drag out the the process. And so I think we're going to hear that from Senate Democrats early next week. Yeah, that seems a bit more like a talking point than it does necessarily a real hope that they're going to get those uh, uh, documents. Uh, stay right there. We have so much more to discuss. We're just going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. I want you to hear, as you know, Lev Parnas, the Rudy Giuliani associate who's sort of the henchman in this entire saga in terms of uh, executing the president and Giuliani's plan on the ground in Ukraine, trying to get the Ukrainian government to give the concessions uh, that Trump is looking for to get the Biden investigation launched. He's been doing a slew of interviews this week. We've seen him a bunch. He's been talking. And I want you to hear what President Trump said at the White House yesterday when asked about Parnas. I don't know Parnas other than I guess I had uh, pictures taken, which I do with thousands of people, including people today that I didn't meet, but uh, just met him. Uh, I don't know him at all. Don't know what he's about. Don't know where he comes from. Know nothing about him. He's trying to probably make a deal for himself. Don't know him at all. Maybe some pictures. Well, Parnas has released a lot of pictures, video of him standing next to him at Mar-a-Lago. There's there are a slew of sort of formal rope line style pictures or behind the scenes of events kind of pictures where he had the opportunity, opportunity to meet the president, get his picture taken with him. And Parnas's story is he did nothing not at Rudy Giuliani's direction, who was doing it on behalf of the president. He never claims that he spoke to the president and got directions uh, directly from President Trump. But is this is this explanation from the president one that can hold weight, given everything Parnas has put out there? It's going to hold weight with some people. I mean, but at the same time, when I was talking to senators later late this week, they kept saying that they need to weigh what Parnas is saying with whether he's a reliable source or not. Which and is fair. I mean, the man is under indictment. He is under indictment. And while he's cooperating with the House investigation, he's doing it kind of late in the game. And so, yeah, it does raise some questions if he's trying to make a deal for himself and what the, the ultimate goal is. I just wonder if the president is ever going to have to revisit those words, if more and more comes out. And and I guess the big question that I think hangs over it is the president has not yet turned on Rudy Giuliani in any way whatsoever. Right. But if there comes a moment in this story where all of a sudden, for the president's sake, he thinks he has to sort of back that bus right over Rudy Giuliani, then he may have to be a little worried about what Giuliani knows all about what Parnas was doing and why he was doing it. 
Isn't Giuliani the one who is constantly saying, I have insurance if the president That's a really good me. point. He did say <laughs> he that. Says he it's said a it joke, multiple times. But he has said it multiple times. <laughs> Maybe this is the kind of insurance he's talking about, no? Maybe. I don't know. It's worth keeping in mind that these are the, the first real documents we've seen. The you know, House investigators requested, again, hundreds of thousands of documents from the White House and DOD and the State Department, and none of them have come through. And then suddenly a you know, fact witness, for lack of better words, is able to hand over records with phone calls and handwritten documents. And so that carries some weight as well. Yeah, contemporaneous notes. Yep. Yeah, Adam Schiff, when he was announced as the lead impeachment manager, he really placed a lot of emphasis on that. He said, these are documents, documents. These don't lie. We need to be able to present these to the senators during the trial. That was his focus when, uh, during that announcement. And he sent that material over to the Senate, did he not? Mm-hmm. He did. Yeah. So it's, it's sort of like an addendum to the articles of impeachment. I mean, he, he sent that material over. Um, one of the things, this is sort of a... Uh, not the headline of what Parnas has to say, because that really deals with the president here. But one of the side stories that has come out of this is this interaction and communication he has had with Devin Nunes, who's the ranking member on the uh, House Intelligence Committee. You'll recall when Devin Nunes was initially asked uh, if indeed he had communication. He had no he was like, I never spoke to this guy. I never communicated with this guy. Uh, he seemed like he had to eat those words after these documents came out. Listen to him on Fox News from Wednesday night. You know, you know now that uh, he had called my cell phone uh, and I didn't know his name. I didn't remember the name, but I did remember going back, looking at where I was at the time, because, you know, you can do that now. You actually know where you physically are. Checked it with my records. Right. And it was very clear. I remember I remember that call, uh, which was very odd, random, talking about random things. And I said, great, you know, just talk to my staff and boom, boom, boom. And Boom, boom, boom. Now, now, now he seems to like have his memory jogged that he now says, I remember that call. He did not before. Right. And I, I, my understanding is he was caught a little unaware when the House investigators released the information that said that he had been having uh, communication back and forth. There didn't seem to be any warning given to the ranking member when that was coming out. Um, so maybe he didn't have time to check before it all came out. But he does seem to be uh, changing his tune a bit now that he he's had time to reflect on it and figure it out makes you wonder if that is going to continue to evolve we don't know but uh uh, this partner is not saying that he only had one phone call with him he's saying that there was frequent communication perhaps we'll we'll hear more about that as well Uh, perhaps we will i want to turn uh to this issue of how the press is uh being sort of handled and managed and given access to up on Capitol Hill. Why? Let me just ask the first question. Why are there separate rules of how the press can cover the Senate for an impeachment trial than how they normally cover the Senate? You know, the main reasoning we're getting from the the sergeant at arms is that there's increased uh, interest in covering it. And there's going to be a lot of reporters coming to Capitol Hill who aren't normally up there and don't aren't familiar with the rules. Um, I think they were pretty spooked by the press reaction to the Kavanaugh uh, hearings. And it was a big influx of reporters. And, you know, some senators got kind of, you know, trapped in an elevator as trackers were holding, uh, you know, video cameras asking them questions. And what does it mean that you are the chair of the Standing Committee on Correspondence? So the Standing Committee of Correspondence uh, helps decide who gets a press credential in the print press gallery. And there's similar committees over uh, uh, photojournalists and uh, radio and television and periodical press. Um, 
for the very long time, we've been in charge of making of knowing who's going to have a credential and why. And we also work with the the sergeant at arms and senate leaders and house leadership to to decide some of these access issues. And looking back at the the Clinton impeachment, the senate sergeant at arms sat down with these committees for five hours to hash out the rules, and nothing like that happened this time. And so, what are the rules? What uh, what? How is the press limited in its access? Um, I wish I could tell you what the rules are at this moment. We still don't know. Um, when we came in on Thursday and the first uh, aspects of the impeachment trial were starting these pretrial uh, activities, there were rules going into place and being enforced that we hadn't been informed of. We had been warned that they might be coming, but there doesn't seem to be a written guidance for anyone yet. And we're, we're still hoping that some changes might be possible before things start on Tuesday. But uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed. There are some like new security measures. Like, for instance, we have to wear special badges. Staff and, and the press have to wear, on top of their usual press credential for the Capitol, they have to wear these larger um, things issued by the Capitol Police. Uh, that's just one of the things. They're, they also there are press pens on the second floor of the Senate. Which Reporters are being uh, restricted from where they can walk and when they can talk to senators. There's a 15 minute window before and after the uh, the trial where we're not allowed to leave these pens. Which I just have to explain to our listeners. You have to understand, Capitol Hill is one of the most coveted beats in this town because of the access to the actual lawmakers. Like that is for unlike when you cover the White House, you have very little access to the president himself. Uh, in this White House, you might have more because he talks all the time on the South Lawn, but you, you, you have very little access. And he, and in in the Capitol, you do have access to the decision makers, to the actual newsmakers as they walk by, but now they're limiting that. You know, the House and Senate like to say that they are the closest to the people. And as such, the reporter is also closest to the people. We, we you know, expect to be able to ask questions and get answers. And this is really limiting that. And this is an important moment in U.S. history. It's something a lot of us never thought we'd live through again. And so to, to see that restrictions that are tighter than they were during the Clinton impeachment, that are tighter than they are during the uh, State of the Union and even during the inauguration, it's just very worrisome. I know we're preaching to the choir here because we're sitting here at CNN and we're journalists and we uh, obviously would fight for this. But I would just, again... You know, when you have the three branches of government collide in this constitutionally prescribed way uh, about something as so incredibly important as the impeachment of the president of the United States of America, it just seems that uh, access for the American people to have information about what's going on and, and have journalists tell what is going on is at a paramount importance. And it's not when access should be limited. It's actually when uh, it should be increased. And if you want to see an example of why, just look at my colleague Manu Raju's very fair question walking in a hallway to Senator Martha McSally, who ended up snapping at him with a totally inappropriate response. That shows the American people the the uh, pressure cooker that is right now Capitol Hill during an impeachment moment. I think it's important. And, and to watch a senator behave so inappropriately that way to a journalist, I think, demands uh, that we have more access to these to these elected officials. They are the people's representative. I would also add that. There are a lot of senators who handle the press very congenially, and they are happy to talk, and they have conversations. They know that the press are going to be waiting when they get off the Senate subway. They are used to talking to people. They know people. They've worked with reporters for years. Um, And I have heard stories of reporters trying to talk to senators and senators happily talking to them uh, on Thursday when the trial was getting started um, and Capitol Police 
going in and breaking up those conversations, saying, sorry, you can't talk here, it, which I, I appreciate the need for security in such a, a high-pressure, tense situation. Um, but there are also situations where a senator is happy to talk and they are it is they are talking to a reporter of their own volition and it is not you know accosting the senator and they should be free to do so you wanted to make a final point i just my biggest fear is not that the new york times is going to get a high profile senator my fear is that a, a regional newspaper like the omaha herald uh, might not get their local senator because the senator doesn't want to talk to the big group and doesn't want to come over to the pen and that's you know restricting people from getting to hear directly what their U.S. senator thinks. And that's my main concern. Haley, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. Thank Thank you. We'd like to thank our listeners for tuning in. Remember, we've got a new episode every weeknight. So please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or on whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you on Monday. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.